So welcome into the Week 16 Backroads Podcast. So much to get to on today's podcast. We're going to take a look at the state title games, uh, realignment, uh, slowly getting there as we get ready to get closer to February. We now have enrollment numbers. We have the cutoffs where the schools are going to be at, some cross-country news, basketball news. So uh, hang around. It is the Backroads Podcast. I'm Craig Spear with the Happy Sports Network and PressPassSports.com. And I'm Bobby Brown, Texas 1A fan. Well, Bobby, we're here finally. Coming up on Wednesday are the state title games, May in Westbrook, Strawn, and Motley County. Hard to believe, finally. It, no. it seemed like we got to the playoffs in a hurry, and then it's like the playoffs just, especially with this little break here, it's like it just slows down. It does. It seems like it draws out forever. So before we get things started, because we're going to talk about both of these state title games, May in Westbrook and Strawn in Motley County, we have a special guest with us today, and I love that you lined this one up. I think everybody out there is wanting to hear from this person. Now, whether he realizes that or not, I don't know, but everybody wants to know who took over sixmanfootball.com. And we've got that guy right here with us. That is Mike Matthews. Mike, welcome into the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. So let's just start at the very beginning because so many people want to know who you are, why you took the site over. There's so many questions we want to get to, but let's just start with this. Who is Mike Matthews? Uh, just a regular guy. Uh, just like everybody else. I go to work Monday through Friday, and I have hobbies on the weekends. This happened to be one of them. So you, you speak about your hobby, and, and you took this from Granger Huntress uh, when you bought it from him uh, earlier this summer. Why the reason to go out and, and buy the uh, website from him? <clears throat> Uh, I've worked on it before. I helped Granger uh, years ago work on the scheduling uh, program. So uh, if you've put a schedule in, if you've looked at any of the schedules on the site before, I, I did that. Uh, when I logged in and saw the site was down one day and, and I thought, you know, this is this, this is unacceptable, first of all. So uh, I knew that I could that I could get it back going again. It's something that I that I do anyways. I have other websites uh, that I run. So I thought, Hey, let's, let's find out if we can get this going. I sent Granger a text and, and within 24 hours, I believe it was, uh, we had come to a deal. So. And, and when, when you talk about that, I, I know one of the things that Bobby and I talked about, Granger just didn't want to turn the website over to just anybody. Why do you think right. he felt comfortable selling the website to you? Uh, Probably, I mean, because I'd worked with him before, I think that he knew that that he was going to be able to give it to me and he wasn't going to have to train me through it and coach me through it, that I would just be able to, to read through things, look at things and just know what to do. So when, when you talk about sixmanfootball.com, I'm sure everybody wants to know kind of what is your six-man uh, background and, and why the passion for it? My dad graduated at Northside, so he was six-man. Uh, my wife's mother went to school at Northside. I have several family members who went to school and graduated at Northside. So I went to school at Northside. My kids go to school at Northside. So, I mean, I've been around six-man football my whole life. I, I, I can count on one hand the number of 11-man games I've seen in my lifetime, and most of those are college games. So uh, six-man is just – it's in my blood anyway. So I want to give you – a big thank you for um, putting out uh, future changes and suggestions and introducing yourself on the website. I thought that was, that was really nice. It gave people a great place to go 
and read, and then you invited questions. So I was looking over the future changes and suggestions welcomed. And one thing that drives me crazy about this website's particularly are the forums. <laughs> it's so hard to find things in the forums. And I, I know you probably would agree with me, but I know that one of these bullets says reorganize the forums. So what do you think you, what are you thinking in that regard? There's just too many, there's too many forums. There's, there's too many different places to post things. I just want to condense that down a little bit, get UIL and UIL form, like just one, uh, that general six man form. I think that's just kind of a catch all. Everybody posts everything in there. And I just want to get it a little more organized, maybe add some, delete some, probably delete a lot, honestly, but just make things to where if you go on there and you look for a specific topic, you're going to look in a specific place and it's going to be there and it won't be anywhere else. And on top of that, I know that there has been some, a little brouhaha in the forums from time to time. What do you think you might do to stop those kinds of things from happening? Well, uh, so I'll, I'll be rewriting the rules in the off season. That's something that's probably going to happen pretty quickly. Uh, below every post, there's a report button. Uh, if you see something that's against the rules or something that, you know, if it's a personal attack, absolutely, it's coming down. Uh, just report it. Report the post. There, there, like I said, there's a button below every single post. If you report it, I'm going to be the one to look at it. If it's actionable, I'll take action on it. I'll delete it or I'll edit it or whatever needs to be done. The ones that that really bother me are the ones that are directed at the kids because, you know, we're here right. to support the kids. And so I'm glad you're doing that. That's great. In your role as the moderator, how difficult do you find it sometimes to determine what was really a a direct attack on somebody versus somebody just trying to jab at somebody? I think it's interpretation. That's why I say if you don't like it, report it, and then we'll read on it. And, and, and if it's something that you've reported, and I think it's probably an attack towards you after I read it and read back through some of the context, then, yeah, we'll delete it. Uh, if, if it doesn't get reported, I'll just assume that everybody's fine with it and we're just going to let it roll. So Bobby talked about other changes. W what do you foresee moving forward on sixmanfootball.com? And I know you put your post out there, but kind of give the listeners out there an idea of what you want to see this as, as you move forward with it. I, I really I haven't put a lot of thought into it other than, you know, I just I, so far I've been uh, just trying to get everything going and and just back to the way it was, but it's got to be more modern. You know, things have got to be better, especially on mobile devices. Everybody's on their phones these days and the site before you just, it was, it's impossible to find what you're looking for on a phone. So I just want to find that, make the data easy to find, uh, get the old hist historical data back on. And that's, that's important. And, and like I said, just making the data easier to find, e easier to get to. Well, and we'll put the link out there um, on our Backroads podcast webpage so people can get to it very quickly. Um, hopefully, you'll get some good suggestions because we have, a, you know, you can have a little while to work on it. So that's that's always right. good. Are you going to the six man state championships on Wednesday? Yes. Yes, I'll be there. Uh, my wife and I are both going. I'm, my son may join us. I'm not sure yet, but yep, we'll be there. So let me ask you this. Now that you've got the site, is there something that's taken up way more time than you ever anticipated with the site? 
I think gathering scores every week or earlier in the season, you know, is, is it was a lot more work than I expected. I kind of, I, I guess I just assumed that everyone's going to text every score to me and then I was going to have them all on my phone and that was going to be the end of the night, but that just <laughs> did not work out. <laughs> oh boy. That sounds like me. I, I, I completely agree with you there, Mike. It does get better over the years though. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm uh, hoping anyway but I will tell you this um, I have one region that refuses to send in scores but they have gotten a tiny bit better and that's region four both division one and two it's hard to get scores out of that region and I don't know why so another thing that everybody looks at when they look at sixmanfootball.com is the power rankings and that that probably starts more chatter than Anything else that is on sixmanfootball.com far and away starts so much of the chatter. When you look at the algorithm that Granger had, how difficult have you found it to try and, and work with that algorithm? And are the things that you think maybe need to be changed or tweaked as you move forward? Uh, to be perfectly honest, the, those algorithms are written in a coding language that I I don't know. So uh, that's something that I'm going to be learning uh, this off season, just so I can get in there and just see what's happening. I've, I've told several people all year long, I get messages all the time about why is my team ranked here and why are they ranked there? And I'm just like, look, go back and read through some of Granger's uh, answers on the forums through the years. Cause that's exactly what I'm having to do. Cause I have no idea more than anyone else what's going on in there. I just feed scores into it and take rankings coming out. So uh, ask me again next year and maybe I'll have a little better answer. <laughs> What you're supposed to tell them is there's this one little line at the very end that says, if I don't like your team, I can move them down. I think that's what some folks think is happening anyways. <laughs> it's always a personal thing. You know that, right? I mean, that, that's oh, something yeah. you yeah, don't know sure. that you're going to learn very quickly because people take those rankings. I mean, it, it really is. It's the Bible and everybody's looking for that. And, you know, and part of that is because it was written with six man football uh, in mind, but uh it, it is funny, the forum talks and the chatter and the bulletin board material that those rankings create every single week. That's right. Yep. So do you have any thoughts about adding anything to the site that maybe you think maybe um, left out? Um. I, I'm not sure. Like I said, I, I haven't given a lot of thought to the future. I'm just trying to get things up and going. So I'd, I'd like to make a, a have a broadcast page. And, and the same thing that I was kind of doing on the forums later in the season with the playoff games is just having one page where someone can go and, and find broadcasts all week long. I'd like to have that something that you know happens all season and maybe a specific page for that instead of someone having to look through the uh, forums every week. Oh, I love that. Thank you for doing that because it gives people options on, you know, who they might want to listen to as far as right. uh, broadcasters or even, you know, games. So uh, thank you for doing that. Sure. Well, Mike, we really do appreciate you joining the show. It's good that people can kind of put a, a, a voice and a person with who is sixmanfootball.com. Granger was obviously that for so many years. Now you step into those shoes, and uh, we do really appreciate everything that you've done so far this year. I know it's a yeoman's task to try and get all that, but uh, we do appreciate you joining us today, and uh, best of luck in the future. We all look forward to uh, sixmanfootball.com becoming bigger and better. Thank you. Thank you for having me. 
Man, what a good interview, Bobby. So great to put a voice with the guy who bought sixmanfootball.com, Mike Matthews. Oh my gosh. Yes. It's very nice to meet Mike. Um, I've talked to him um, several times this season. He's, he's just a, you know, a real nice dude. Easy to talk to very good. He asked very good questions. And um, the cool thing is that, you know, he's wanting to update the sixmanfootball.com site. And so he did write a message to everyone uh, giving what he thought he might want to update and change. And he asked for suggestions. So on the Backroads webpage, I have put up the link so you can go directly there because it's in one of the forums on sixmanfootball.com. But it'll get you right to that spot if you want to give him some suggestions for next year for sixmanfootball.com. Head on over there and let Mike know. Well, and I think what a lot of people don't realize is Granger didn't want to just turn the site over to just anybody willing to pay him for it. He really wanted somebody who had a vested interest in six-man uh, football. And on top of that, whoever bought it, I mean, all eyes are on you. It, it is it is kind of the Bible for six-man football. And I don't think people quite take in mind just how much pressure it is to take that site over. Oh, I can't imagine. Uh, uh, lots of pressure. I mean, you have the entire six-man community of Texas and and probably beyond looking at that website. He has taken on uh, a very large part of our community, and we are so glad to have Mike do that and have him on today. Definitely. Great, great to see. Great to talk to Mike and... Uh... Like I say, just uh, get his ideas and thoughts and, and kind of get to know who he is. So, Bobby, we're here. Let's move to it. It is the state title games coming up Wednesday, 11 o'clock in the morning, Division One, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, Division Two, And what, on paper anyway, looks like two extremely good matchups. And we'll start with the first game. That is Division One. The May Tigers pretty much ranked number one all season long, taking on a team that I don't know that, I don't know that anybody necessarily thought they would be here, but you had to realize that they had a very good shot of getting there. And that is the Westbrook Wildcats. Yes. Especially after they beat Sterling city in that first, that first time during district and then come along and, and have made it this far, you know, they've had some really good players that are standout for them. We've talked about uh, Jimmy Roberts before. And um, what is it you you? How do you describe Jimmy? Uh, he, he's a Mack truck, he's plain Mac and simple. <laughs> the Mack truck, Jimmy Roberts meeting Avery Williford, who I've oh. called a beast. I mean, that's going to be a matchup made in heaven for six man football fans. It, it is, and you know, I, I think what people need to realize when you watch this game, this is two very physical teams going to do battle. Uh, both teams are good size for six man teams. They're athletic but they are just flat out physical. And that I think is what's going to make this a really good matchup and why I don't think at least on paper, we're going to see somebody run away with this game. I think it's going to be close throughout and it's to me going to come down to turnovers being a big key in this game. I, I totally agree with you. Of course, you know, turnovers can flip flop things really quickly in any game, but I do see May and Westbrook as being very similar in physicality. May 
has had three brutal games against other physical teams and Westbrook has run the gamut between, you know, spread offenses, uh, uptight. I mean, all they've, they've seen it all. I think one thing that it comes down to is the offense. Would you agree with that? I mean, we both know that they play outstanding defense. That's not even in question, both teams. Exactly. And that's why I've, I've told people, I'm not so sure that this game in the end may not come down to who can pass it just a little more efficiently uh, to try and get on the board because both of these teams are going to stack the box against the run because they both have great running games. You know, you got Ware and Roberts there with Westbrook. You got Hawk, you got Harrell, you got Williford uh, running downhill for May. So it's just this massive collision every single time. Who can use a play action pass? Who can, you know, get somebody cheating, looking in the backfield and, and catch somebody on, uh, on an out and up and, and hit on a big uh, pass play? That's going to be the interesting part. On paper, it looks like that favors Westbrook just slightly. Shama Stark, a good passer. Uh, you know, they can hit you downfield with that. May's not had to pass as much this season because they simply just run people over. And the yeah, question yeah. will be, can they do that again? If they can't, maybe, maybe. And boy, I just, I know it sounds like I'm, I'm hedging my bet here, but I just, I, I can't bet against May, but yet I've seen both of them play. And I know that Westbrook does have a passing game. And I just wonder if in the very end, is that the difference in this ball game? I've been asking myself the same question. I was asked earlier today to pick state winner for division one. And I had, I struggled. I did. I've been struggling. We've talked about this. We talked about it last week. I, I can't seem to, to figure out which team may or Westbrook is going to win this one because they're, we know their defense is going to stand tough. It's, it all comes down really, really it does to the pass. I believe, I believe that I do feel like Westbrook holds a slight edge with the passing game over the May Tigers. I guess we will see. Yeah, uh, no, we, we will see. You're, you're right there. Like I say, May is just lined up and physically beat the heck out of teams every single week. And the question is, can they do that with Westbrook again? And I don't doubt anything that they can pull off. Um, they've been ranked number one all season long for a reason. Mm -hmm. um, the question is, can Westbrook hang with them when it comes to that physicality? I think they can, uh, but we're going to find out Wednesday morning at 11 o'clock. So that's your first matchup. Moving on to Division Two at 2 o'clock. And this one is this is a fascinating matchup because I'm not quite sure where to go with this one. The Strong <laughs> Greyhounds, give or take, ranked number two all season long, taking on the Motley County Matadors, ranked number one all season long. Man, Motley County is so good. Yet, I sit there and I go, is Strong... It's hard to say this. Are they undervalued? I think they are. I mean, if you were asking me, of course, nobody was asking me. <laughs> but I would have picked Strawn number one all year. I mean, right out of the box. Uh, they just have too many weapons. I mean, yes, Motley County Matadors have several weapons. You know, they have Sims. They have DeGan. They have Richards, DeGan and Richards being extremely fast. But then you look over at the Greyhounds and look what they have. They have the super freshman, uh, Grayson Rigdon. They have 
Griff Rigdon, who's a senior. They've got the, you know, the six, seven quarterback. They've got Lorenzo Garcia. I mean, he's been a Greyhound since birth and they're all, they're all just going all cylinders straight ahead. When I watched them in Dublin against Richland Springs, they, they hit the gas pedal and they did not slow up, not one bit. And so I think that I, they had a little, a few problems with Jaden Bryant, which is the Richland Springs spreadback who's so incredibly fast. Oh, he's fast. Um, so they may have a few issues with DeGan and Richards because there's two of them for Motley County, not just one. And so they may have a few issues, but you can guarantee that Dwayne Lee has accounted for that and has watched all the film he could get his hands on and they're going to have a good game plan going in as well as Bigham, one of the best in the business at, at scouting teams and making sure his teams are ready. Well, and you can guarantee coach Bigham is probably looking at this going, you know, he's telling his troops all week long, because I think uh, for the most part, I think everybody might be leaning a little bit towards strong and I'll guarantee you he's got up in the locker room. Hey, we're number one and nobody respects us. Oh, you know that's going on. Of course <laughs> it is. It's Bigham. I mean, you know, that's what makes a good coach. He knows what motivates his players and he uses it to the best of his ability. And I don't blame him one bit. Well, and when you look at the first game, you know, I see a, a 38-36 type score. I, th I think that's kind of what we're going to see. When you move to this game, it wouldn't surprise me if we kind of saw the whole McLean Milford setup that we had a couple of years ago where it's 100 to 70 type ball game. Oh, I totally agree. I totally expect that, actually. Uh, I think they're going to run, 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 run it down your throat and pass and more running. Yeah, I think we're going to have a high scoring game for this uh, Molly County strong game. Well, if we get exactly what we want, I think that is great because it's going to show everybody who doesn't follow six man two different styles run it two different ways. And yet you get back to two just incredibly good games, a good, tough physical matchup where both teams aren't scoring a ton. And then you get the other one where it's not necessarily, they don't play good defense. Offenses are just that significantly better. And uh, so it should be a fantastic matchup. Rigdon versus Richards. You know, you got the six, seven quarterback for strong against DeGan. Uh, Coach Bigham's defense against Coach Lee, and you know he's just mapping things out 24-7. So should be a fantastic matchup in both of these ballgames. Can't wait to watch them on Wednesday. Yeah, I, I can't either. Um, one thing that I wanted to point out is, you know, Motley County played Westbrook early this season, you know, the first week rattle out of the box, actually, and Motley County won that one by two touchdowns. When you say that, it makes me go – do we all undervalue how good Motley County is? You know, I think maybe we do. Uh, but you have to think that was at the end of August. Here we are in December. So so all of these players have really learned a lot over the season. I just thought I'd point that out because I knew that they went down there and played. And um, it was a very good game. But Motley County did come out on top. I don't know that Westbrook had their defense firing on all cylinders at that time, because I have, I did watch them at the beginning of the season and at the end and their defense has completely changed. Um, it's just rough and tumble and, and hit you right in the mouth. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. 
Texas Wedding Fan is going to be going to broadcast both of those games, and we will have it out on both uh, Stephen Reynolds' channel and also Michael McClure's channel. So if you want to listen to them, tune in. Uh, it's on our broadcast page on winningfan.com. And I do want to give a shout out to Mike from sixmanfootball.com because he did sponsor one of the game broadcasts for us. So thank you for that, Mike. It's always a nice uh, thing. It is. And, it, you know, that, that is a great point that you bring up there because I don't think a lot of the fans realize you can call these games, quote unquote, for free up until you get to the state title game. And then the UIL asked for some serious change to be able to broadcast the finals. They do. Um, it's, I mean, you can look on their website. It's $200 a game. So, you know, that's $400 right there off the top. And uh, normally what we do is, you know, we don't have a lot of sponsors. Gandy Inc. is someone who gives us, uh, we design a shirt and they give us shirts to give out to coaches during football, which is awesome. The coaches love them. They're six man crazy shirts. And so shout out to Gandy Inc. Uh, they do a good job with that, but we don't have any sponsors. We don't ask for money and we never will ask for money. Uh, so when Mike contacted me and, and, and wanted to sponsor one, I was like, I, I was shocked, but I was extremely grateful um, it's a very nice thing. So thank you, Mike. And thank you, Gandy, for sponsoring the coaches shirts we give out to the coaches every year. So Wednesday, title games going on, 11 o'clock, May and Westbrook, 2 o'clock, Strawn and Motley County doing battle. You can hear all those games on the Texas 1A Fan uh, Mixler channel or go to the Texas 1A Fan website. And Bobby, I know you got one last note before we get out of this. Yes, uh, we're excited this year because we have Dency and David taking pictures on the field of the uh, the games for the players to cover the players and the teams. However, this year we're going to have Mr. Jamar Washington in the stands and he's going to be the Texas 1A fan cam. So if you see Jamar, we'll put his picture out on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram so you know what he looks like. And he'll have a shirt on so you can recognize him. But he's going to be taking pictures of fans in the stands at the Texas 1A state championship. So look for Jamar. He's very social. He'll talk to you. And, and he's just a happy, happy guy. And I hope you all look forward to meeting him. Definitely. That, that will be awesome. So pictures on the field and pictures in the stands. That should be incredible. Yes, definitely. So, and this is a good lead in. So we're talking about the state title games before we leave uh, these title games. It's kind of feeds into Lehman's six man one oh one. So Westbrook is a team that is making their first ever appearance in a state finals. And you go, well, they're at a serious disadvantage because, you know, they're playing teams that have already been there. Not so fast, my friend. That's right. Because Lehman and I were talking earlier this week and he can, he sees things just a little bit differently than most people do. So he wrote us something. So I will just read it and it's very interesting and we'll see what you think. 
Lehman thinks that schools competing in their first ever state championship football game get the jitters playing under that jumbotron in Jerry's world. But think again, since UIL 1A six men started playing their state championship games at AT AT&T Stadium in Arlington, schools playing in their first ever state title are three and two. Grand Falls Royalty won their first ever title in the first ever six-man game in AT&T in 2013 for D2. McLean won their first ever state title, defeating Milford in a high-scoring affair 100-70 to in 2018, and that was D1. Then in the most recent case, Blum upset McLean in a barn burner 58-52 in Division I. The two teams that lost at A&T&T in their school's first ever state title bid were Balmeray, Division II, and you know they won this past year, and Jonesboro, Division I, both in 2016. Well, that's an interesting tidbit there. You, you would think getting under that Jumbotron, and you know, it's such a massive stadium that if you've never been there, it would just, it would put your, it would put everything out of sync. And you just wouldn't play up to the abilities, but history tells us that's not necessarily the case. Yes. And so I'm glad Lehman looked all that up. He, he was actually telling me, oh, you know, I'm sure they'll just get the jitters. And then I guess that gave him the thought to go look this up. And we are so glad that he did. So thank you, Lehman, for that. Now we know. Now we know. So thanks to Lehman on that one. Let's move to realignment because UIL put out the uh, cutoffs uh, for schools last week, as well as they uh, published the official enrollment numbers. Even though we pretty much had that for almost all of the teams, we got those officially from the UIL. And so you can start saying, okay, who's going to be Division One? Who's going to be Division II? Uh, the first thing that kind of caught me off surprise, I really thought they would set this at 61. But when you start looking at the details on this and you see the number of teams that are moving down to 1A, um, but still going to play 11-man football. And then those schools choosing to play 11-man, it really sets that cutoff smartly at 59.5 because now you've got 75 Division I teams and 76 Division II teams. That is correct. That's always something that interests me. So as soon as those come out, I start doing my little thing and um, seeing who went up, who went down, who went to Division One, who went down to Division Two, uh, who went, who's playing six man, who's playing eleven man. But you're right. There's 15 schools that have chosen to play eleven man that are classified as one A schools. A lot of them are actually fair. You know, we think of as large schools like Crosbyton, you know, they were two a forever cross planes. They've gone up into two a and come back down to one a. So they keep going back and forth. Electra is down in one a again for the second cycle. Ira Ann as well. Lasara. Um, oh, we have Meridian joining us this next year. They play 11 man football. Here's one that's interesting. Morton. Morton was down in 1A. They chose to play six man. And then this past year, they went up to 11 man and they've actually had a little success. And they were 2A uh, because of their enrollment in the last cycle. This time, they're coming back down to 
1A, but they're going to stay 11 man. I don't think people realize how difficult it is in towns where that population kind of bobs back and forth from that 105 cut line. And you really have to make a decision. Are you going to go six man? And is your enrollment? I mean, you really kind of have to, you have to be a, a, a prognosticator and say, where, where's my enrollment going? Because I, if you think you're going to pop right back up to two A, you don't want to make all the changes for six man and find yourself self back in 11 man football two years later. Right. Because you'd have to play an outlaw schedule and your, your kids wouldn't be eligible for playoffs. So um, another thing that's interesting is here are some teams that are moving from 1A up to 2A. And two of these in here are very surprising, or maybe for a few people. Bartlett, Booker, up in the Panhandle, uh, Cherino, Fruitvale, Hubbard, here's one, Sterling City. Wow. TLC Midland and Water Valley. So you've got two state quarterfinalists heading up to 11-man football next year. Well, they're heading to 2A. So they'll have a decision to make. Do they play, do they continue to play six-man outlaw schedule for the next two years and hope they come back down? Or do they move to 11-man because they, the prognosticators may think, oh, well, we're going to get more kids, so we might stay in 2A. That, that'll be fascinating decisions by both of those those towns there. Yeah, it's like, do you have a crystal ball? <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. Well, and, you know, and, and you talk about movement, a few of the teams coming up from D2 to D1 are significant. Anton's coming up, Follette, Gordon, Wilderado, Sands. Those are some significant teams moving from D2 to D1. And then when you look at those teams going from D1 to D2, there's some big names in there as well. Kroll, Newcastle, Paducah. Th those are, I mean, there's some big changes when you look at that and who's going D1 to D2 and vice versa. That's correct. And, I mean, you just never know how this is going to affect realignment because, you know, we have to wait until February to find out who's going to be in the districts and what regions they're going to be in. Um, some of the teams that uh, flip-flop back and forth from Region 1 to Region 2 is like Borden County and Grady and, and those folks down that are like on the edge of Region 1 and 2. Are they going to come up here or are they going to go down to Region 2? Especially with uh, Region 2 being vacated by Sterling City. There's going to be a hole there. Um, this year, which totally confounded me actually the last two years water valley's been in region four that makes no sense to me um so that kind of gives you a, a little insight into maybe what's going to happen in realignment you just i you just never know you don't and you don't know how the uil is going to cut it for so many years they cut it kind of left to right across the board in the last couple of realignments they've done more of a vertical cut working mm -hmm. west to east uh, so it'll be interesting. I, I think when you look at Division One, and you and I have talked about this, I think the pivot point is the district that used to have Knox City and Spur with Paducah and Kroll and Vernon Northside. Two of those are dropping down, right. and there's not a whole lot of Division One schools there. So however the UIL decides to draw that up, I think will have a significant impact not only on districts, but who's in Region 1 and who's in Region 2, depending on whether they want to go 
west to east or north to south. Correct. And and you just never know what they're going to do. Sometimes they they trade out each cycle and sometimes they just stick with what they did before. Because I mentioned Outlaw, there are two teams that will be playing Outlaw six man in year 2022 and that's Fort Hancock. They've been six man Outlaw since they went up to 2A and also Ranger who will stay in 2A. Now, so, let me ask you about this because you're up you're up further in the panhandle than I am. Boys Ranch actually turned in enrollment and will be 1A, but I hear they have opted to play all 2A sports and, that, and activities. Yeah, that that is what I have heard as well and I think a lot of it had to do with, you know, Boys Ranch is a little bit of a different school than what we're all used to. Um, oftentimes kids go there who have gotten in trouble, um, you know, for various reasons, you can go out there and research it. It's a very, very interesting, uh, story about boys ranch, but when COVID hit their enrollment really dropped on them. I mean, like we're talking a drop of like 70 kids or so. So they dropped down to that one Oh three mark, but I think they really anticipate that number coming right back up as we come out of this whole pandemic thing. And that's why I believe that they're going to um, look at it and say, we're going to continue to play 2A schools because in two years, we'll be right back there. Right. Well, and, you know, there's that crystal ball thing again. I bet all schools wish they had a crystal ball, especially if they're right there on that bubble. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's tough. I mean, because you and you can get big, big classes to come through um, that can really impact your enrollment. And that's one of the reasons I think why the UIL gives you three different ways to forecast what your enrollment is going to be when you turn that number in. And and really, I mean, when you look at it, they don't give the other schools that option. It's just six men that they give that option to. And I think it is to really help them. I think they really understand more than anything. It impacts football and why they want to keep you at six man, if that's really where you need to be versus making you go back and forth, 11 man to six man, that can get expensive for a school. Especially if they have a turf field. Can you imagine? Oof. I mean, look at Sterling city. They have a turf field. If they're going to go, uh, if they're going to stay two a for more than two years and they're going to go up to 11 man, you know, you have to pay to get that turf field, uh, made into an 11 man field. Well, it, it'll be fascinating to see what all happens. Just so everybody understands, in February, the official realignment will come out. We'll have all that for you. We'll run it down. That'll probably be a whole podcast in and of itself. But uh, <laughs> you kind of can look at things now and, and and start to put the pieces together. Like I say, the one piece that we don't know is what which way does UIL decide to go north to south, uh, west to east? That always kind of uh, turns things around, you know, Borden County is a classic example of a team that was in Division Two for a long time. Now they've drifted into Division One. I mean, sorry, in Region Two. Now they've drifted into Region One. Do they drift back to Region Two? Do they stay in Region One? It'll be really fascinating. And those are some of the schools that really sit there on those sidelines. And uh, it, it'll just be interesting to see. We'll have more on that come February uh, when you start looking at when we truly get the realignment. And man, that will that will create enough conversation in and of itself. Oh, everybody will be talking about it. (laughs) But in the meantime, if you want to see who's moved up, who's moved down, according to enrollment numbers and the UIL, 
you can go to oneafan.com to the sport uh, football page. If you'll scroll down, you'll see all the districts are blank. That's because we'll start with a blank slate in February. And we will fill those as, as we get them then. But if you want to see who's moved up, who've moved down, all the movers and the shakers, scroll on down and you can see realignment for this year. So let's shift to signings. And there's a big one that came out this past week out of McMullen County. Mm-hmm. Isaiah Billingsley, the star cross-country runner there for them, has committed to the track program at Auburn. And you go, man, that's really awesome. A 1A kid going to Auburn to run cross-country. Here's a really cool part about it. All right. I think it's cool. It's awesome. I think it's great. He's going to be running against a runner from Alabama. And you go, well, yeah, you idiot. Auburn and Alabama, they're in the SEC. Yeah, but one of the guys he gets to run against is another 1A runner out of Texas, Brandon Passman from Guthrie. That's right. And do you know how many pictures we have of them running against neck and neck against each other at the state 1A cross-country meet? like the last three years it's always isaiah and brandon and look i guess they decided to take it to a whole other level and they're both going to the sec uh, for division one cross country and track and they'll be competing against each other more (laughs) that's fan that's fantastic love to see that and uh you know it just tells you that if you're a 1a athlete that doesn't mean that you can't reach the pinnacle of division one sports Look at what these two guys have done. It, it is very, very possible. And now they get to run against each other for uh, another four years, which should be uh, just great to watch there. Also, uh, a Borden County shooter. Yes, a shooter. Ryan Phillips has signed with the University of Tennessee Southern on a full athletic scholarship. Yes, for, show, for shooting sports. Um, I've been watching her for several years now. Uh, every once in a while, Borden County will put out information about Ryan. And I don't know if it's Ryan or Ryan, um, but hopefully someone will correct us. I'm sure they will. <laughs> They'll let us know. Don't worry. Yes, but I'm going to go with Ryan. Ryan won the national championship in shooting earlier this fall. And on top of that, what's even more impressive she earned a silver medal at the world championship in Peru. Wow. And that's impressive. Cool? That is impressive. And then finally, when we look at uh, signings, Callie Humphrey out of Roby has signed to play basketball at Cisco college. So uh, congratulations to Callie. Yes. Yeah, so we've got some athletes. If you have signings, let us know. Uh, we always push them out on Instagram or we'll push them out on Facebook. If we, if you send us the information and give us permission to use the pictures and of course I'll be looking and we will talk about them every week on the podcast. So let's finish up today's podcast talking about basketball. Yes. Basketball is in full swing, uh, which is kind of weird because you got the state finals going on on Wednesday. It still feels a little odd. Uh, for me, just now rolling into basketball, have you played their first three games of the season? And you look at some of the records here. I mean, you look at the girls. Sands girls are 13-1. and one. Happy just played their first three games. So teams are really rolling into this. But uh, let's start on the girls' side. Sands, number one in the state. They're still rolling 13-1 and one on the season. Uh, their only loss came to Sudan on November 9th by a point. Sudan ranked number 11 out of Class 2A. Um one and thing I found out, though, last night they lost to Canadian by three. And, you know, Canadian is number one in 3A, and they lost to them by only three points. 
impressive. I mean, they're they're really good. They really are. They are. And as a, a testament to that, Coach Marks at Canadian uh, sent a message and he said, and I quote, if a 1A is going to beat them, they better bring it. They are legit. And uh, Coach Marks, I uh, know him very well. He, he knows his basketball, so he knows what he's talking about there. So Sands, their girls program, really doing good. Uh, right on their heels, Huckabee, 15-2 and two on the season. Two losses, both of those to 4A schools, Dumas and Paris Chisholm. So impressive there from Huckabee. And Erion County now 14-0. and 0. They've beaten Cristobal, Miles, Dublin, and Lano among their 14 wins. Uh, and then closing out the top 10, McMullen County, Natchez, Nazareth. Just seems weird to say them at sixth. Uh, <laughs> Jaden, Grayford, Chirino, and Robert Lee. Yes, we, we got some good, good girls teams this year. And one thing that has been surprising, and we'll talk about this more as we get down into the boys, uh, but a lot of these teams in the uh, pre-district season are playing the larger classifications consistently. It's not like they go play one. They, they're they just playing every week consistently the larger classifications. You've got to think that that's getting them prepared for what's to come in district. Definitely. And you know what? A real quick shout out here, and we're all about 1A, but a, a large shout out, though, to those bigger schools. Because if you're a 4A or a 5A program and you play a 1A school and you get beat, everybody's looking at you going, oh, my gosh, are you are you that bad? No. There's good teams in 1A, so a shout-out to them being willing to schedule those. I know some of the bigger schools, just they're not willing to do that, and, and I think it's because they, they see a shame in getting beat by a 1A team. That shouldn't be the case. Competition is competition, so a shout-out to those bigger schools uh, playing the uh, smaller schools, especially in basketball. Yes, they, they may – we may have the same athletes. We just don't have the same pool to pick from. <laughs> exactly. Well, let's go to the TABC top 25 for boys. Of course, these were released on December 6th. Number one, still staying steady with text line. Uh, text line uh, continues to march on. Number two, Calvert. No surprise there. Three is Grayford. Four is Erion County. But then we started getting into some things. So number five, the running Cowboys of McMullen County. Uh, they were the Tilden Classic Tournament Championship game. They defeated 3A Jordanton. Uh, Dying Box is making a lot of noise. They've lost to 4A Giddings and 3A Industrial. That's it. Lingoville 7, Rankin 8, Dodd City 9, and Nazareth 10. But just outside that top 10 is a mm -hmm. team that's making a lot of noise out of Region 4, and that is the 12th-ranked team, San Perlita. Yes, the Trojans are... I mean, they're, they're shouting at the top of their lungs and people are going to start noticing them. And like you said, they're just outside, but let me tell you what, what they've done the last week. They have a senior uh, player named Eli Terry. Let me tell you, this kid is incredible. He scored 61 points with 14 of those uh, three pointers in their 95-56 win over Fayetteville, a 1A school. He then turned around this last weekend and scored 70 points, 18 uh, three-pointers in their 97-51 win over Nordheim, which is a 1A school. And you think, oh, well, they're not playing bigger schools. Oh, but wait. Yes, they are. 
So far, they've won against 5A, Mercedes, Roma, and Donna. They've beat three 5A schools. They've also beat number 14 in TA, uh, 2A, Port Aransas, and number five, Flatonia in 2A, 69-62. Oh, and, and in that game, Eli had 29 points. Oh, is that um, they, all? It was yeah. an off night. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you're pay, playing top five team in 2A. Uh, so they've also beat 2A Yorktown. And the most interesting thing is that number five in uh, 1A is McMullen County. Guess who's in their district? Uh, let me take five guesses in the first four wrong. San Perlita. That is right. And the TABC had them ranked at number two to finish in the district behind McMullen. So let me tell you, that's going to be a battle. So I decided to reach out to Coach Garza. He is the head coach at San Perlita, and he had a few things to say. He said, Eli Terry had a great weekend and shot well. Not only did he score 61 and 70 points in two back-to-back -back games against Fayetteville and Nordheim, but he's put up 40-plus points in three other games against 5A opponents. Coach Garza said he has a lot of seniors who have been involved in deep playoff runs the past few years. They've been starters since they were sophomores. He also has several freshmen who contribute. One of those freshmen is Julian Johnson, and he received all tournament honors at the Flatonia tournament this past weekend. Uh, one thing is for certain, District 32 will be extremely competitive, and it's going to be a battle to win it. So we're going to need to keep our eye on that. Yeah, I know that. This should be, I tell you what, I'd love to have a seat to this San Perlita McMullen County District matchup twice. Oh, oh that should be fantastic. I'm telling you, I, I'm hoping that one of their Facebook pages will go live so I can watch it. I know San Perlita is really good about doing that. I watched several of their games last year through Facebook Live or, or various things. Um, or someone would say this fan is Facebooking it live. And so I'd go there. But I watched several of their games last year and they're extremely talented, extremely talented. And now they have another year under their belt. And obviously they're beating 5A teams and ranked 2A teams. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that district comes out. And I hope to watch it. Yeah, no, that should be great. I'm sure McMullen County is listening to all this going, hey, don't forget about us. Don't forget. We are number five for a reason. That and is that's right. Why district 32 should be a uh, just a great matchup there. Uh, and speaking of region four, let's give some love down there. Another player who's having an incredible uh, year, and that is the junior and I'm going to mess this up, but I'm going to say it anyway. Chavo Luciano Castillo. Yeah. How close they get? I think I, that's how I would say it. <laughs> well, he plays for the Buckholz Badgers, and uh, they took on Central Texas Homeschool last week. He scored 40 points, seven assists, and four rebounds in the Badger win there. So a really good game there uh, from Luciano Castillo. Yes. Well, hopefully we'll see him. Uh, their district starts up here in um about a week so we'll see how they do in district there's someone we can't forget about up in yeah and, and i'm just going to talk about this district in general and it does start at the top uh this is district 31a up here in the texas panhandle what i think is probably the deepest uh district one through four 
uh, when you look at it, because four teams now get in, and I don't know if you're going to find one deeper than this one. Text line, led by Willie Luther, averaging almost 30 points a game now. He's already had a triple-double against Spring Lake Earth. They're playing much bigger competition, ranked number one in the state. Nazareth is at number 10. Uh, they played number one, 2A Clarendon to within nine. They beat 3A Bushland. You've got in the top 20, Will Dorado, who lost by one point to number one Clarendon. Wow. So they're playing really well also. And then Happy brings up the rear at number four, uh, and the Cowboys just made it to the uh, championship game of the Valley Tournament there before they fell to the Valley Patriots. So four really solid teams coming out of that district. And uh, you just – I don't think we're going to see that across the state. And that, that may be the toughest district from top to bottom that we've got out there. I think you're right. And unfortunately, the district that plays them, the first game out of the box in the playoffs is – is going to feel the heat of district three because they've got some really good sound teams. And the cool thing is now we have four teams going to the playoffs in one a, so who's, who's it going to be? Yeah, no, that, that will, that will be interesting. Um, you know, I, I like the addition of the fourth team because I mean, yeah, you could say you're not going to get a lot of good one-to-four matchups, but you might be surprised what you might get out of that in some of these districts. And I think it's good that those number one teams don't have to sit. Even if it's a 40-point game, they're getting a game under their belt. And I, th- I think that's uh, that's advantageous for them as you move forward. Yeah, one thing, I, you know, at first when I heard that that had been passed, I, I wasn't a fan of it um, simply because – you know, I look at all these districts, you know, have a master spreadsheet of everybody. And some of these districts don't have four teams. I mean, well, they have five teams, but that's like all of them going. Right. Um, and, you know, the I've heard I've talked to coaches about it and it kind of changed my mind. They did talk about what you said about, you know, that first rattle out of the box for by district. It was two and three from each district playing each other. And then the champion of the district sat out. Well, most of those got uh, warm up games with other classifications. So that really, you know, wasn't a terrible thing, but I can understand how it'd be hard to scramble around and get those right after district ends. So I've kind of changed my mind on that. See, hey, we can change your mind on an occasion. Yes, I just, you know, got to think about it and and get all kinds of feedback. So that's not a bad thing. We've got lots of uh, basketball coming up. Uh, Districts are starting. Several districts have already started. Uh, There will be more district games on Tuesday and lots more districts starting that day with their first district game. So make sure and send your scores and your stats in. Um, don't forget about sending that in so we can talk about it out here and we can give some of those players some love. And as soon as football's over, we're going to get out there and start broadcasting basketball games and taking pictures, you know, the things that we usually do, but you know, we got to take a little break because we've been running nine Oh since the end of August. So, you know, give us about a week and then we'll get refreshed and get past Christmas and the holidays, and then we'll hit the ground running again. That we will. 
Uh, and so let's kind of end the podcast here, Bobby. And uh, this is a great time to do it with just a, a big shout out to all the parents, coaches, and community members out there in six man. Uh, and one of the things I want to say is if you see anybody from Texas one, a fan, come up and talk to us and, and tell us your stories. Uh, met uh, Jackson Edwards mom uh, at the Valley tournament Saturday night. A very nice lady. Uh, so nice that I forgot to get her first name. So, <laughs> but she is a loyal listener of the Backroads podcast and uh, just talking about, you know, and I'm sure a lot of parents feel this way. Her son's a senior. His football season, when it ended, it was heartbreaking for her. And and, and I'm sure parents across the state go through that. So, you know, give us a talk. Come up, talk to us. We'd love to hear your stories, share things. And if you know certain really cool things, let us know that as well. Yeah, you know, it seems like I beg for that every year or every week. Um, I will tell you that next week we will have a cool story coming out of Terlingua. Yes, Terlingua. You think they don't? (laughs) You think that they don't have a a team, but they do. They do. I always appreciate them in track because they usually send one or two athletes, but it seems they have a basketball team and they play outside, but I'll have more information on that. But you're right. I think that the whole six man community, the coaches, the cheerleaders, the players, especially the fans, community members, and the parents, they make six man football so very special. And they're the ones who create the atmosphere that we all enjoy every weekend during August, September. October and November, and sometimes into December, if you're really, really good and lucky, because you know, it does take a certain amount of luck. It does. Injuries more than anything. I mean, that that's where luck a lot of times can come in. You got to stay healthy and that's not the easiest thing to do sometimes. No, some of these teams have extremely brutal schedules, just like coach still indicated last week, you know, they had three hard, hard games back to back to back. That's a lot and it's hard to get over and you need a little bit of rest. So while we both think that it's a very long amount of time between the last playoff game and the state championships, I'm sure some of these coaches enjoy that rest because they haven't had rest this season. That they do. Well, Bobby, that's going to end it for us. Coming up next week, we'll recap the state title games. Our special guest, Brad Ernst from Hoop Insider. Can't wait to talk to Brad. He's a great guy. That'll be a lot of fun. But until then, I'm Craig Spear with the Happy Sports Network and PressPassSports.com. And I'm Bobby Brown, Texas 1A fan. Remember, go forward and do good. <laughs>